The Lever. Subscriber-supported journalism that holds power accountable. As a Lever Premium subscriber, you'll get to hear exclusive bonus content from this episode and others in your feed. To become a subscriber, go to levernews.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Lever Time, the flagship podcast from The Lever, an independent investigative news outlet. I'm your host, David Sirota. On today's show, we're going to be talking about those forever chemicals now in everyone's bodies. The so-called PFAS, that stuff that's related to plastic. A recent blockbuster investigation from the Philadelphia Inquirer spotlights the potential link between those chemicals found in AstroTurf and the eerily similar cancer deaths of several Philadelphia Phillies, the professional baseball team in Philadelphia. It's a fascinating and tragic story, both about baseball, but also about the larger issue of forever chemicals. I'm going to be speaking with the two investigative reporters at the Philadelphia Inquirer who broke open that huge story. For our paid subscribers, we're also dropping exclusive bonus episodes into our Lever Premium podcast feed. This past Monday, we published my interview with Matt Brunick, the founder of the People's Policy Project, who talked about Republicans' perennial desire to cut Social Security and why we should actually focus, if we're going to be talking about cuts to retirement stuff, we should focus on all of those tax breaks for 401ks, which disproportionately benefit the super rich. And coming up next week on the Levers Premium podcast feed, our interview with Abraham Josephine Riesman, the author of the new biography called Ringmaster, Vince McMahon and the Unmaking of America. For anyone interested in pro wrestling's influence on American politics, and it has had a lot of influence, this is a must-listen episode. If you're not already a paying subscriber and want access to all of that premium content, head over to levernews.com and become a supporting subscriber. That gives you access to the Lever Premium podcast feed with extended interviews and bonus content. Plus, as a paid subscriber, you'll have exclusive access to all of the in-depth reporting and investigative journalism that we do here at The Lever. Just hit the subscribe button at levernews.com to support the work that we do. Independent media will only grow and thrive because of passionate people and word of mouth. And we need all the help we can get to combat the inane bullshit that is corporate media. Today, before we start our show, we've got some exciting news. Producer Frank is back. Welcome back, Producer Frank. Thanks so much, David. Thank you for having me back. I, I really, really appreciate it. And I'm very excited uh, to be back here on Lever Time with you. I've really missed it. Uh, it's it's great to have you back. Our show has been growing uh, thanks to you uh, and thanks to Producer Jared. should mention Producer Jared is still here, which means that the Lever's podcast team is growing uh, thanks to the support of our subscribers. So that is super, super exciting. Now, before we get to our main story today, uh, the main story about the uh, forever chemicals and the connection to Major League Baseball. Let's also talk a little bit right now about the big news that broke this past Monday, that Fox News has fired its highest rated host, Tucker Carlson. As of right now, Fox News hasn't provided an, an explanation as to why they gave Tucker the boot, though many people speculate it had something to do with that landmark settlement 
that Fox will be paying Dominion voting systems uh, since Tucker's firing came only days after news of that $700 plus million settlement. Of course, we reported at The Lever how that settlement could potentially turn into a more than $200 million tax break for Fox News. I mean, some people didn't didn't believe it when I when we reported it they couldn't they couldn't get their minds around it I mean a 200 million dollar tax break for essentially admitting that they uh, lied about the election it's pretty incredible oh it's absolutely astonishing but uh par for the course I would say for uh, for Fox News or at least the way that I don't know these giant uh, corporate media companies operate I mean we just had uh, you were in in New York last week we were having dinner with a few of the lever reporters and we were talking about this story in particular and and you kind of phrased something you know in the way that you think about stories reporting on stories is you know when news breaks like this like in terms of the settlement you thought okay so how is the bad guy going to try and benefit from this which i thought was such a perfect way of putting uh, the way that these people operate, the, the way that people in charge of these giant organizations operate. So, of course, like they weren't going to take, you know, a seven hundred plus million dollar settlement on the chin. They were going to be like, we're going to find a way to to spin this in our favor somehow. Well, I've been watching a lot of Succession lately, and so I kind of imagined how Logan Roy, uh, the who's the kind of Mur- Murdoch composite figure, the owner of Waystar Royco, which is kind of like the Fox News company. I kind of imagined how Logan Roy would deal with having to uh, settle uh, or having to go to court. And I imagined the scene where he would be like, well, listen, uh, it's $780 million, but we'll get to write off maybe $200 million of it, which lowers our uh, corporate tax rate. So when we when we first came upon this story, and it became a huge story across, across the, the media when, when we broke it open, uh, I, I tried to to, to think about it as, look, there are always angles here. And, and, and what's incredible about this is that this is essentially allowing Fox News, the tax code allows Fox News to say that essentially lying about the election uh, and getting uh, nailed for defamation, d- defaming the company – uh, that made the voting machines. That doing that is all part of its ordinary business. That that, that that's how you you can get a write off on things by saying, listen, this was an expense for ordinary business. So essentially, the tax code, or or at least Fox News, will argue in its tax filings, or can argue in its tax filings, that lying about the election, spreading just total lies, destructive lies, uh, is part of its ordinary business. I mean, in a sense, I guess that's that's. That, that's kind of honest, isn't it? It's kind of a brilliant admission. It's like our business is lying. So yeah, th- this is the cost <laughs> of <laughs> that's what our whole model is based on lying. So that's this is just the cost of us doing the kind of business that we do. Right. And and I think I think in a sense, I guess they have an argument. Now, I should say some good news out of this is that Congressman Brendan Boyle, uh, who has been on a Lever Live event before, uh, the Democratic congressman from Pennsylvania, s- saw our story and said that he is looking into legislation to stop uh, this kind of tax break. And we will keep everybody informed of that, keep everybody posted about what, what happens with that. I mean, it is a complicated issue. How do you change the tax code to prevent this kind of write-off? And, and I should mention, as you will see in our story, if you go to levernews.com, that there have been efforts to stop 
the deductibility, the tax deductibility of these kinds of payments in specific cases before when it comes to sexual harassment, settlements and the like. So it will be interesting to see uh, what Congress uh, potentially can do to prevent the tax code essentially from subsidizing uh, lying uh, and admissions of lying uh, like the one that we saw from Fox News. Okay, we're going to stop there because I do want to get to our big interview today with those two reporters from the Philadelphia Inquirer. We're going to talk to them about their investigation into the potential link between chemicals found in AstroTurf and the deaths of several professional baseball players in Philadelphia and what it says about the larger policy questions surrounding these forever chemicals that are now apparently in everyone's bodies. What can be done about that? What should be done about that based on the science that we know? That's coming up next. But first, let's take a quick break. Welcome back to Lever Time. If you know me, you might know that I grew up in the Philadelphia area and was a huge Philadelphia Phillies fan when I was growing up. I spent a big chunk of my childhood at Veterans Stadium, thanks to their old super low-priced general admission tickets. Veterans Stadium is no more. They tore it down. But it was always famous, or really infamous, for how brutal a playing field it was because it was astroturf on top of concrete. Philadelphia Phillies and Eagles players always noted how hard it was to play on that surface and avoid injury. But now, we're learning that the AstroTurf might have been more dangerous than it even seemed back then. So for our big interview today, I'm going to be speaking with investigative journalists Barbara Laker and David Gambacorda from the Philadelphia Inquirer. The Inquirer recently published a huge investigation from Barbara and David about Veterans Stadium which details how chemicals discovered in the stadium's synthetic astroturf could potentially be linked to the deaths of six Philadelphia Phillies players who all died from the same type of brain cancer. Some of these players were among my favorites of all time, guys I really worshipped. It is a truly tragic story, and Barbara and David did a fantastic job reporting this one out. And let's be clear. This reporting isn't just about baseball and the mistreatment of athletes by cost-cutting owners who cheaped out on their field. So if you're not a sports fan, you're not a baseball fan, there is still something very important here. Because this is about how corporations and politicians allowed the proliferation of toxic chemicals into nearly every corner of American life and into all of our bodies potentially poisoning entire generations. It's also about what can be done about this problem right now. Hey, Barbara. Hey, David. How you doing? Good, David. How are you? Good. Thank you so much to both of you for, for being on this uh, on our show. Um, I, I, I want to start by saying um, that I am a huge Phillies fan. I grew up essentially at Veterans Stadium. So um, I have a lot of personal interest in this story. Uh, I am wearing my Phillies garb uh, in honor of this uh, in honor of this interview. I've got my hat. I also should mention I have my Von Hayes coin here, my Von Hayes collectible uh, fake gold coin, just to just to, you know, get my Phillies credentials uh, all up to speed. And, and I, I want to say um, one other personal note here that I remember as a child realizing uh, how physically toxic 
the AstroTurf at Veterans Stadium was, the AstroTurf that we're about to talk about. I remember it when uh, on July 4th, when I was growing up, uh, they would have games at the Veterans Stadium and the, the fans after the game were allowed to go onto the field and watch the fireworks. And I remember that, how horrifying it was to get on the field and feel how hard uh, that surface was and and under and understand when i had seen athletes kind of complain about how dangerous it was i remember that sort of physical experience of realizing wow this stuff that looks all green and kind of nice on tv and even nice from the stands is actually incredibly awful uh, so I was really, really interested in your story. You both did great reporting. So I want to I want to start out uh, with a basic question. The question of what are PFAS? Uh, what are these chemicals? I want you to tell us, for those who don't really know what these chemicals are, what they are, where they come from, and what they have to do with Major League Baseball. Barbara, we'll start with you. Okay, so PFAS chemicals are, they're man-made, they've been around for decades, and they're used in a number of household goods like Teflon, carpeting, upholstery, uh, firefighting foam, and artificial turf. And for artificial turf, they're used in the manufacturing process. So the chemical companies don't have to say they're using it as an added ingredient because it's used in the manufacturing, but it stays in the in the artificial blades. And what it's used for is to make the blades stand up and separate and they look better. And so chemical companies like Monsanto, DuPont, all those companies started using PFAS for decades. And really the public didn't know until recently. And with artificial turf, no one knew about it till 2019 that they were actually in the turf. The two of you wrote this blockbuster investigation, which was published in the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, about uh, the turf and, and its potential links to the deaths and the illnesses of several Philadelphia Phillies baseball players. So let's start at the beginning of that story now that we have context on what PFOS are. When did you first realize that there could be a link between the deaths of these players? And, and, and David will throw to you. You tell us which players they were. When did you realize that there was a potential link between the deaths of these players and potentially the chemicals in the turf that they were playing on? Um, so the six players talking about are um, Ken Brett, Tug McGraw, uh, Johnny Yotes, John Vukovich, Darren Dalton, and most recently, David West. Um, so... You know, these deaths started in 2003, and it's kind of piled up a little bit over the years. And, and each time I think a, another former Philly has passed away, it it, uh, it raised some eyebrows and questions about, you know, whether there could be a link here. Why were these guys all getting the same type of brain cancer, glioblastoma? Um, so after David West died last year, I both had an interest in, in going back to the story and seeing, you know, if there was more there, if there could be some connection that was being missed. Um, and we, and we thought a lot about Veterans Stadium, which, uh, you know, David, like you, I, I pretty much grew up there too. Um, and the stadium is notorious for a lot of different reasons and, and it was demolished in 2004. So, um, you know, we, we couldn't physically go back in, in time. Um, but we hit upon the idea of the AstroTurf as being one element that we could look at. So we, uh, we found through eBay of all places, pieces of the turf that the Phillies had given out as a souvenir in, uh, 1982. So we bought four samples. Uh, we sent two to the University of Notre Dame, 
and two to a, uh, a laboratory in Lancaster, Pennsylvania called Eurofins, which is the uh, uh, premier lab for PFAS testing in the U.S. And we waited to hear back. You know, we didn't really have any preconceived notions of what would turn up. And, and both of these labs independently found PFAS. Eurofins, I think, found 16 out of uh, more than 70 that they tested for. And, and what was notable about that was, you know, you think back, this turf was 40 years old. It had been out in the elements, it had been played on, rained on, and, and yet these chemicals still endured and they still kind of jumped off to the testers. So that, you know, we thought was significant. Um, and that sent us down the rabbit hole that is still deepening at this point by the day of understanding, you know, what, what are these chemicals and what sorts of um, health effects have they been linked to? And unfortunately, it's, it's not a short list. There's a variety of different cancers and illnesses that we just in, in the last few years, there's been, you know, kind of a growing scientific understanding that these things are, are dangerous. They don't break down. They don't go away, whether that's in the environment or in, you know, in our bodies. Barbara, I want to ask you a follow up question about that, which is this particular kind of cancer that these Phillies players uh, died of. It isn't just that they got cancer generally. It's that they got a specific kind of relatively rare cancer. Tell us a little bit about that and what, if anything, we know about the specific potential connection between these chemicals and that kind of relatively rare cancer. Well, um, glioblastoma is a, um, it's a brain cancer that's very aggressive and it's almost always deadly. And so it's like tentacles in the brain. So like, even if the surgeon takes out the tumor where um, it is in the brain, they often can't get out all of it. And then often patients have to follow up with chemo and radiation. But almost in every case, the tumor, because it doesn't really go away, it grows back. And um, some people die within like 18 months from this cancer, a year to 18 months. The scientists have done more studies on when PFAS is in the water, when people actually drink it, and they know that is really dangerous. And that's why you'll see across the country now, cities and municipalities are trying to, um, some of them in Philly too, they're suing the chemical companies for dumping the um, PFAS in the water supply because it's in the Philadelphia water supply. There are fewer studies done on when you actually inhale it or when it's absorbed through the skin. And what a lot of experts thought, the reason why um, if there is a link to glioblastoma and PFAS, the turf got really, really hot in the summer when the Phillies were playing on it. So up to like 165 degrees. When these chemicals are heated up, they vaporize and they become more toxic to the people who breathe it in. And as you know, when you play baseball, you're, I mean, those players were on the turf hours upon hours upon hours, not just for the games, but for practice. And so, because some people asked us, well, why don't the Eagles players have glioblastoma? And it's for one, because they played far fewer games, like eight versus 80 or something like that a year, but also because it obviously wasn't as hot when the Eagles um, were playing versus the Phillies players were on the turf. All right, David, let's turn to the question of why the Phillies and other teams used AstroTurf in the first place. I do remember asking this question as a kid, like, why is Veterans Stadium AstroTurf and not 
grass. Was it cost savings? Was it something else? Uh, and, and tell us a little bit about who made the AstroTurf, which company? Uh, I think I think we mentioned Monsanto. Were they the only company? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, one of the neat things uh, for Barbara and I was at the start of this project, uh, we had time to go through the city's archives to actually see, you know, internally the story of how Veteran Stadium came to be. Um, and it was a it was a long drawn out process that was frankly a, a huge mess. Um, you know, they spent years considering different sites before settling on this area of marshland in South Philadelphia. And they they knew sort of early on that they wanted this to be a multipurpose stadium, that the Eagles and the Phillies would both use it. And and the thought was that grass would be too burdensome to maintain, uh, especially as you get into the fall and you're switching back between baseball and football. Um, and, and this is in the late 1960s. And as fate would have it, that was at the same time that the Monsanto Chemical Company pioneered AstroTurf. And the, uh, the first uh, professional sports team they were able to sell to was the Houston Astros, which just opened the Astrodome, hence the new name. And, you know, it was really sold as this wonder product that would cost far less to maintain the grass. Uh, that it would be far more durable and it would, you know, pose no injury risk to, uh, to players any more than grass. Um, so we could see from the city's archives and also from newspaper archives in that era, um, Monsanto was, was practically gleeful publicly about how many different, uh, avenues they would have to sell this product, you know, not just to professional sports teams, but to high schools and colleges. Uh, and to municipalities, you know, they they basically said this thing could be used anywhere and everywhere, even into consumers' homes. You know, get rid of the grass in your front yard, put astroturf down, and you'll have so much more time to enjoy cigarettes and martinis. Um, so, um, you know, it was it was a pretty effective sales pitch at that time. And um, in talking to guys like Larry Boa and and Bob Boone, who were on the Phillies uh, in the early seventies when they moved into the vet. You know, there was a sense of of wonder. Um, the stadium was brand new. It was gigantic. It appeared to be state of the art for five or six minutes. Um, <laughs> and and the turf was was kind of part of that. It was this new surface. The ball reacted differently when it was hit on the turf. Um, you know, in fact, the Phillies had to petition the league to raise the fences in the outfield after the vet opened because so many balls were going over for ground rule doubles. But pretty quickly they realized there were drawbacks. Larry Boa mentioned in particular getting turf burns on his arms and legs when he would dive for balls. Uh, Von Hayes said a, a similar thing on hot days. If he dove, the turf would disintegrate his uniform and, and his skin. Um, and then you started to find football players blowing out ankles and knees. Um, and this was happening in other stadiums with turf, but the vet just seemed particularly to be worse than most. And the, and the city of Philadelphia, which managed the vet, did pay Monsanto several times. I think all told it was over $4 million to replace the turf. You know, it was every few years they were having to come in and put a new generation down. And the next one was supposed to be softer and more durable. But ultimately, that was never the case. So it's the 1960s. It's the era of so-called better living through chemistry. This is touted as a a, a great solution to the changing of seasons and dealing with, with, with something like grass. I think the f question then becomes, 
Was there any knowledge that we know of back then, whether public or inside of Monsanto, about the potential chemical hazards of AstroTurf? Barbara, was there any knowledge of that? Well, we know that other companies like DuPont, they did know that there were dangers and that PFAS was very cancer-causing and very dangerous to um, to people. They knew that, but they, they hid it. I don't know if you've seen the movie Dark Waters, mm-hmm. um, but that does a really good job of kind of laying out how this all came to be. And the lawyer, Rob Billet, like he was, you know, he was brilliant in getting all these documents. And he had internal documents at DuPont that showed that they did know. They definitely knew that it was dangerous. And they even had women who were pregnant working on the line with PFAS who ended up having children with the same exact deformity in their faces when their babies were born. And so the the chemical companies did know. We didn't know how much, we still don't know how much Monsanto knew um, because we there's a place in St. Louis, it's a library in East St. Louis that actually had Monsanto documents. And David and I requested those documents. We went through them, but it was more like just marketing, um, like marketing pamphlets, calling it the magic carpet. There wasn't anything written down saying that they knew, but all the environmentalists and researchers we've talked to and lawsuits that are getting filed now, they, they have knowledge. They had through discovery, they got memos internal memos within chemical companies that stated that they knew it was dangerous and they're like, okay, well, whatever. And there are some scientists who believe that they actually, some of these chemical companies calculated like, okay, well, we can make this many um, millions of dollars before there's a class action lawsuit 15 years down the road. And they figured they'd take that gamble and make the money. David, the, the response from Monsanto, uh, has there been a response? Uh, have they acknowledged the link or the potential link between these uh, chemicals uh, and adverse health effects? I mean, do they have anything to say about this? Well, Monsanto no longer really exists. Um, they were purchased a few years ago by the uh, Bayer Corporation. So we did reach out to them and did not uh, have any response back. You know, the, the period of time that Monsanto was sold, um, it followed pretty closely on the heels of leg- uh, lawsuits that they faced across the country for um, uh, round- uh, Roundup, the uh, weed killer that they sold, which uh, had also been linked to um, a significant number of, of cancer cases. So um, we, weren't, we weren't able to connect with anybody uh, on, on the Monsanto side because they you know, weren't, weren't around anymore, unfortunately. The question of what Major League Baseball has to say about this, um, Barbara, has have the Phillies, has the league responded to this? And, and whether or not they've responded, is there a potential liability issue for baseball in this? And if there is, does that give them an incentive to pretend this this didn't happen or to downplay this or to kind of suppress it? Uh, well, David did reach out to the Phillies and they did get back to us. I mean, they do feel that it's very unfortunate that this, these many players um, died from glioblastoma. Um, but they did um, cite some like two experts. In fact, one, they kind of like paraphrase what the expert was going to say and that that was that the 
PFAS chemicals don't cross the brain barrier. But when we reached out to other experts and researchers and scientists, there were actually three studies, two in China and one, I believe, in Italy, where they actually found PFAS chemicals, not only in the brain, but actually in brain tumors. So we do know that PFAS chemicals can get in the brain. And in fact, um, Graham Peasley, who's one of like the world-renowned experts in this whole thing at Notre Dame, he says that PFAS chemicals, once they're in your body, they go all through your body. There's not like a, a barrier to any organ that you have and that they stay in your body for years. That's why they're called um, forever chemicals because they don't go away. So when they washed, like when the, it was in Veterans Stadium and like there was a rain or they took it up or whatever, they, the those chemicals didn't go away. They either got in the soil or got in the water supply. And it's kind of scary to think that they stay in your body for years when you know, I don't think our bodies were made to have these chemicals like in our system forever. David, the most major league baseball stadiums have made the switch back from AstroTurf to real grass. Is there any indication this was due to the chemical component or was there was there other reasoning? You know, I, I don't think outwardly that there was um, ever any consideration given to potential harm that may have lurked in, in, in the turf and the chemicals. Um, I mean, I, I can remember when, when the Phillies moved into Citizens Bank Park, you know, the grass was a big part of the selling point, um, you know, that it was going to be a real grass experience. And I mean, it's it's obviously aesthetically so much more pleasing. And, and it's, you know, for, I think, a lot of baseball purists, you feel like that's how it's supposed to be played. So, yeah, I mean, it is interesting that in this time frame that we're talking about, from the 60s, 70s and 80s, so many professional sports teams were going all in on turf. And then as you know, within 20 more years, everybody's moving away from it uh, for the most part. We couldn't find anything that suggested there was some higher level thinking about, you know, this could potentially be linked to cancer and we need, you know, we'll need to remediate that years later. The reputation, I think, was was just so bad, especially in Philly mm -hmm. for, for players suffering, you know, career ending injuries. I mean, why would you want to stick with it? You know, when, when it have been demonstrated time and again to just be harmful from a physical standpoint. Barbara, I want to ask you one final question about all of this, which is, uh, I think, on, uh, probably on the minds of many people listening to this is, what is being done, if anything, right now? Are, are there state efforts to uh, end PFOS, to regulate them, to, to clean them up if, they're, if we know that they're still in the environment? Are there federal efforts? What's going on on that score? Well, there's a lot going on. The EPA recently came out with regulations as far as how much is safe in our water supply for two or three of the uh, well-known PFAS, the ones that are studied the most. The problem is there's like 12,000 PFAS, different PFAS out there. And so some experts believe that we should ban the whole class of PFAS. And to go back, why well, I did want to make one point is that I don't think there would be any reason for the Phillies or the city to know way back when that PFAS were dangerous. This was like kind of a new phenomenon. But there are, I believe, Rhode Island is making steps to um, to regulate it. There are states that are um, have got bills going, and there are there are several municipalities moving to try to get rid of either the turf or PFAS in the water supply. But at the same time, like 
Philly also has like 12 play fields right now that still have the artificial turf where children are playing. There's still a plan to put uh, 12 artificial turf fields in FDR Park. Um, the city does say they're going to uh, find companies that put PFAS in their turf. Um, I don't know how that's going to work, but we'll, <laughs> time will tell, I guess. But yeah, there are there are definitely cities who are moving on this and the EPA is moving. Um, there are a lot of experts who want the EPA to move faster and more, you know, more widespread than they are right now. Barbara Laker and David Gambacorder are investigative reporters with the Philadelphia Inquirer. We've linked to their stories in the description of this podcast episode. Barbara and David, thanks so much for your reporting. And thank you so much for taking time with us today. Thanks so much for having us, David. Thanks for having us, David. Appreciate it. That's it for today's show. As a reminder, our paid subscribers who get access to our Lever Premium podcast feed, you get to hear next week's bonus episode, The Lever's interview with Abraham Josephine Reisman, the author of the new biography, Ringmaster, Vince McMahon and the Unmaking of America. If you ever wanted to understand the political impact of pro wrestling, this is the interview for you. Listeners can subscribe to Lever Time Premium by heading over to levernews.com. When you subscribe, you also get access to all of the Lever's website, our weekly newsletters, and our live events. And that's all for the criminally low price of just eight bucks a month or 70 bucks for the year. One last favor please be sure to like, subscribe, and write a review for Lever Time on your favorite podcast app. If you're listening to this episode in your podcast app, take a moment to write a review. And make sure to head over to levernews.com and check out all of the incredible reporting our team has been doing. Until next time, I'm David Sirota. Rock the boat.